You just missed a home run. I missed out on an incredible deal you were offering at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. It just started. You can get beautiful Pella Windows and pay no interest for four years. Visit PellaWI.com. The world's largest music festival is happening now. We're live on the Summerfest grounds of the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Now broadcasting from the Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin WTMJ Mobile Studio. Here's your host, Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome. So glad to have you with me on a Friday afternoon. As we were just talking about, we are broadcasting live. This is day five of Summerfest, so it is the official middle of Summerfest 2022. The weather is absolutely perfect. I, I spent several hours down here <clears throat> just walking around after the show yesterday. and A little bit warm, but there was a breeze that kind of cooled you off. Today, it's, I'd say it's about 10 degrees cooler. Very, very pleasant. The sun is shining. It is wonderful. Come on down. There's a great lineup of entertainment. We'll be talking about that during the course of the show. I, I did want to give a plug at the Generac stage. Um, Right behind me, today is their Military Appreciation Day, and at 345, there's a country singer named Kenny Thomas. His band played in the movie Sweet Home Alabama. They are there performing. And the event is starting off, um, my friend Jenny Thiel is going to be singing the national anthem at 3 o'clock. She does an absolutely wonderful job. So if you happen to be at Summerfest, stop by the Generac stage around 3 o'clock for their Military Appreciation Day and then stick around 3.45 to um, hear Kenny Thomas. Great, great entertainment. So that is wonderful. Uh, an update on a story we talked a little bit about yesterday. Brittany Griner, she is the uh, WNBA basketball player who was arrested in Russia in February. Now, there's a, there's a lot of kind of dumb things that went on here. She, as many WNBA players do, in order to make more money, what they do is after the WNBA season, they, they go overseas and they play for various professional teams overseas. And she had been playing for a, a team in Russia. She made the decision, which I think, you know, in retrospect, was kind of a dumb decision, that she was going to rejoin that team in, in February, this was immediately before the investigation, the um, the start of the war against Ukraine by Russia. And we all know that 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 war, which still rages, has pretty much made Russia an international pariah, especially with countries from the West. And there's all sorts of sanctions and things. And, and so even though the war hadn't officially started there was the build-up, and she decided to go to Russia anyways, which is kind of a, a questionable decision, I think, but that doesn't, that doesn't make what happened to her right. Also, at least according to evidence that's being presented today, when she was going through the airport in Moscow, she apparently had two vape cartridges in, in her luggage, the vape cartridges contained some cannabis oil. And one of the big questions has been, okay, well, how much were we really talking about? Well, t today they, they made that apparent. She had two vape cartridges. One had 0.252 grams. The other had 0.5 grams. So she was arrested in February, has been in custody since February, and at a hearing earlier this week, her detention was extended through December. But but she's she's on trial now. Now Russian trials about ninety nine percent of the trials in Russia are result in, in 
people being found guilty. So you can kind of get the idea there. It's sort of like elections in Russia where, you know, <laughs> you, you, you can have people who run, but there's only certain people who end up winning those elections. But the, the ultimate irony of this is that she has been detained since February over a grand total of 0.7 grams of cannabis oil. Now, I, I just want you to think for a second. A, a gram, a gram is almost nothing. I mean, it's almost nothing. She had, in these two vape cartridges, less than a gram of cannabis oil, and she has been incarcerated since February. Now, I, I'm not justifying her decision to, if, if it in fact is correct that she was in possession of this stuff, she, she shouldn't have had anything. But we're not talking about, we're not talking about Midnight Express. We're not talking about a, a large-scale drug trafficker. We are talking about somebody with less than a gram of cannabis oil, which is almost nothing. And she has been detained since then. Let's be honest about what is going on here. She is a high-profile American. And what's happening now is, I think it's very apparent, Russia wants to use her for leverage. I was telling you about this yesterday. There is an international arms dealer known as the Merchant of Death who was arrested um, a number of years ago in the United States. His name is Victor Bout, and he was internationally known as if if you wanted to get you know contraband arms, he was the guy that you could go to. And he's very very tight with the Russian administration. He was arrested a number of years ago and convicted of get this conspiring to sell surface-to-air missiles to a foreign terrorist group and conspiring to kill U.S. citizens. So what ended up happening is he was arrested, he's convicted after a trial, and he's serving his 25-year sentence for, again, trying to sell surface-to-air missiles to people who would use them to kill Americans. The speculation is that Russia wants to leverage the arrest of Brittany Griner over less than a gram of cannabis oil to get the U.S. to make a prisoner swap to take the merchant of death and, you know, release him in exchange for releasing her. Now, as I argued yesterday, there, there's absolutely no way, it seems to me, the government can do that. With all due respect to Ms. Greiner, you, you can't release an international arms dealer. You cannot trade situations like this. It's not even close to the equivalent. But I understand that that's no consolation to, you know, Ms. Greiner's friends and family and supporters. And it's no question that she's being used as a political pawn. It does make you think about like traveling overseas or at least traveling to some of these countries, and it certainly should make you think about having any sort of contraband at all in your luggage. But what Russia is doing is absolutely outrageous. We shouldn't be surprised about it, and I think clearly they're, they're trying to arrange uh, some sort of prisoner swap. And I just don't see any way that Biden can or should do this, which doesn't help Ms. Greiner. But it also demonstrates just how absolutely unethical, amoral the Russians are. And, yes, I understand if she had 0.7 grams of cannabis oil, that was illegal and she shouldn't have had it. But, my gosh, she's been already detained since February. Give me a break. When we come back, shut up and sing. I'll explain. We'll discuss. This is Machine Gun Kelly performing this evening at Summerfest. Milwaukee's lakefront is rocking. WTMJ is broadcasting live 
from the Pella Windows and Doors Mobile Studio at Summerfest. Come by, see your favorite WTMJ personalities. Um, somebody was sending me a text that was saying, well, Jeff, don't, you know, you're defending Brittany Griner, and don't you understand that Russia has laws and things like that? It's not a question of defending Brittany Griner. She was arrested total now with 0.7 grams of cannabis oil. Um, just to give you a perspective, and one of our texters makes this point, if you've got a nickel in your pocket, take out that nickel. The nickel weighs 5 grams. She had 0.7 grams of cannabis oil. So feel that nickel in your hand. She had, like, that's 5 grams. She had 0.7 grams. So, you know, imagine we're talking about an incredibly small quantity. <clears throat> and it's not even... It's not like it was crack cocaine or heroin. It was cannabis oil. And I understand that Russia has laws. But to charge this woman with drug trafficking, let's be honest. What's going on here is they're using her and treating her as a political prisoner because they want to try to get some big-time arms dealer or someone else out. And it is, in my opinion, it is unconscionable. And, again, it demonstrates, you know, what's going on in Russia. And, And, yes, you falter. Should she have, under these circumstances, you know, made the decision to go back to Russia to play? Well, obviously not. And should she have, to the extent that she knowingly and willfully had a couple of these vape cartridges with cannabis oil in her luggage, should she have done that? Of course not. But let's have some concept of proportionality. All right. Let us switch gears. You know who the performer, the singer Halsey is? Um, Halsey is a <clears throat> American pop singer. She's been, ah, gosh, she, she's kind of been around for the last seven or eight years that's that's sort of the deal and and she has quite a loyal fan base she is scheduled to perform as a matter of fact at the american family amphitheater tomorrow night at, at summerfest and my guess is the the event will be well attended it was um i think that the tour has been canceled twice first of all summerfest of course was canceled in its entirety in 2020 and then I, I'm not sure what happened to her show, but this has been rebooked a couple times. So anyhow, here, here's the deal with Halsey. She is, I think it's fair to say, an outspoken performer. She makes no secret of her opinions on different things. She also, I mean, talks about, I, I think, her battle with mental illness. She, she describes herself as being bipolar and bisexual and all the, these various things. So she's sort of a lightning rod. You know, her music... Um, uh, lots of people, lots of people like it. It's kind of like a cross to me between Nirvana and Justin Bieber and Alanis Morissette. It's it's sort of interesting, but but in any event, so she's very very popular. Last weekend, she's doing a concert in Phoenix, and it was actually last Sunday night. Now she decided in the middle of the concert to kind of stop the show and go off on the repeal of Roe versus Wade. So, you know, it was, I mean, I I have what she said in front of me, but, you know, essentially what she was saying is that she thought this this was kind of appalling and that people need to, you know, stand up um, and people need to express their opinions and people need to be just disgusted about um, this whole situation. And um, 
She says, uh, the truth is my heart breaks looking out into this audience because I see so many people who deserve to have incredible lives, who deserve the right to health care that they need, who deserve the right to choose themselves in a situation where there is a choice. I'm hoping every single one of you, and I don't want you to ever have to be in that situation where you don't have access to that. Okay, so she, she goes off on this sort of, you know, pro-Roe versus Wade riff. What happens is... A, a number of people get up and walk out of the concert. You know, they just, they, 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 for whatever reasons, didn't want to be lectured to by her about abortion and things of the like, so they walk out of the concert. Well, after that happened, a number of people on take to social media and indicate that they're appalled that people would have walked out of the Halsey con- concert. And Halsey herself decides to wade in on this. And and she goes after the people who walked out of her concert. And one of the things that she sent on Twitter, and this is what I have here in front of me, the, quote, people pay to see you sing, not hear your views, end quote, argument is so dumb. No, you paid to see me use a stage as a form of expression in the manner that I choose. Sorry you lack the critical thinking to realize that the rhetorical power of music doesn't always serve your escapism. I'm not even sure exactly what that means, but she's she's not backing down on this. She also says, um, essentially, that one of the problems with doing outdoor concerts is that there's no door to hit people in the butts as they are walking out. <laughs> you know, that's, that, so she's not apologizing at all for you know her comments. And my guess is that when she performs here tomorrow night, my guess is there's going to be uh, at least some references to this and, and probably your typical, you know, a similar sort of anti-abortion speech. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't want to talk about the her position on abortion. Okay, but I I do think it's interesting. You know, she says the people pay to see you sing, not hear your views. Argument is dumb. You know, you pay to see me use a stage as a form of expression in the manner that I choose. Is that really true? I mean, when, when you go to a concert and you pay your money to see the performer, are you paying your money to hear the performer expound on their political views their world views, or in fact, are you hearing paying to hear the performer, I don't know, sing sing the songs and do the songs from the record and, and things like that. She says, Well I just think this is dumb, you know, for you to tell me that you you know, that you just paid to hear me sing. You paid to see me as an artist and I get to express myself in any way that I choose. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Is that what people go to concerts for? And how do you react to that? And again, I, I don't want to talk particularly about her position on, on abortion, but I want to talk about this idea that, well, you know, how dare people kind of walk out on me because I chose to, you know, wade into this particular issue. People should know that I'm an artist and I express myself however I want. What do you think about that? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a minute. This is Time Flies, performing this evening at Summerfest. 
Halsey, who is a performer. That, that's, that's, that's sort of an, it's an assumed name. It actually has nothing to do with her name. But she's going to be performing at the Marcus, Amph- Marcus at the American Family Amphitheater tomorrow night. She's in the middle of some controversy because last Sunday at a concert in Phoenix, she goes off on a riff, a riff kind of lecturing the audience about how she feels about abortion and the Supreme Court ruling. And a number of people walk out. And that's created this huge issue. She then takes to Twitter to rip on the people who walked out saying, hey, how dare you tell me to just shut up and sing? I'm a performer, and you come here to see as an artist my forms of expression, and that includes pretty much whatever I want to do on the stage. Mike and Cudahy. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. How's your TGIF so far? Where it's wonderful so far, and by 3 o'clock it'll be even better. I guarantee it. <laughs> what do you think? Um, real quick, Jeff, it's a great subject matter, by the way. Great program. I've been listening to you since you got on the air. I think over there was a 99 or something like that. Anyway. Long, long uh, time, 98, yeah. yeah. Thank you, my friend. What do you, you think? Um, I, this is my personal opinion. When you pay to see a performer perform or entertain whatever their, their niche is, um, that's what they should do. I think people get inundated with this religious and political views, and they're paying to get away from all that. I think it's selfish and self-centered for a performer as leverage to use their that as a platform to express their views. I think it's nice to get away and just have an entertainer entertain you, but I think for that to happen, I think that's overstepping their bounds a little bit. Mike, thanks for the call. I appreciate you joining us, and thanks for listening. Yeah, since 1998 here at WTMJ. I I appreciate, I guess, see, I I think I personally pay to hear, like, the songs and hear the entertainer entertain. I mean, it's no secret. I'm a huge Jimmy Buffett fan, right? Jimmy Buffett is a huge lefty, does all sorts of fundraising events for left-wing causes and stuff. Jimmy Buffett concerts, uh, there, there's no mention of politics. He, he just, he recognizes that a lot of his audience doesn't share his views, and he recognizes that his audience is there to have fun and hear the music and stuff. And so even though I know he has strongly held views, you know, he, he saves them, you know, he, he performs at, at benefits and fundraisers for Democratic candidates and things of like that, le- that like. But that's different than going to a concert. And, and the day Jimmy Buffett starts, you know, pontificating on politics, at least from my perspective, that, that's the day that I stop going to these shows um but halsey says hey your people are paying to see me be an entertainer and that doesn't include just singing songs if i want to lecture people on whatever issue of the day is i have every right to do that all right how do you feel about that as a ticket buying customer we continue the conversation in just a moment This is Stone Temple Pilots performing this evening at Summerfest. It is a glorious day. We're talking about a performer who's going to be here tomorrow night who's created a lot of controversy, Halsey. If you're just tuning in, last Sunday in Phoenix, she kind of stops her concert and goes off on a, a riff against the Supreme Court and its decision reversing Roe versus Wade. A number of people walk out of the concert. She then goes after them saying, well, you know, the only problem with outdoor arenas is that there's not a door for the to hit them as they're walking out, out of it. And she talks about how she's an artist and people don't come just to hear her sing. People come to hear her express herself on stage however she wants to. And 
I'm like, really? Is, is that why, uh, regardless of how you feel about her position on this particular question is that why people buy buy concert tickets jeff i've been to hundreds of concerts in my life once an artist goes political on stage i will never return to see them again a few that come to mind mellencamp santana and roger waters jeff another text i I saw roger waters a few years ago that's pink floyd and he was extremely political trump raged lots through a lot of his show i actually saw people get up and leave i'm like you jeff i don't care if the artist is on the right or the left i would just prefer that they keep their views to themselves um 855-616-1620 jeff and fox point jeff good afternoon Hi, Jeff. Happy Fourth. I don't think yes, there should be a rule against the artist preaching or anything about politics, but I do think this should be a two-way street. I think it was wrong for Halsey to rip the people that were leaving. When I saw Arcade Fire a few years ago, um, they were put getting political, and I was getting annoyed, and two guys behind me even got into a shouting match. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to leave so I could understand why people would want to leave. But at the same time, I didn't, like, write nasty emails to Arcade Fire or ask for my money back from Summerfest or anything like that. Okay. Well, that, that was the question I was going to ask you. Let's say you are, you're at a concert, you've paid to hear the music, and in the middle of it, the performer does go political in, in a way that you don't agree with, and you decide you want to walk out. You think you should be entitled to a refund of your money? No, I think that when you pay, when you pay and you go, there's sort of a, sort of an, uh, almost an unwritten agreement that the artist is going to have quite a bit of leeway, unless like yeah. the, the artist is like preaching the entire show and like preaching more than singing, then there would be a point. But I, I don't, I doubt if it ever gets gets that way. Thanks for the call, Jeff. I appreciate eight five five six one six one six twenty. Yeah, I, actually, I, I see. I, I agree with that. I think. You, you you pay your money, you take your chances. But at the same time, I, I think I think people have every right to say, okay, this is not what I came for. And I, I came to hear, you know, the songs. And I didn't come to be lectured about politics. And um, I'm not saying that the performer doesn't have a right to do it, but it's not what I paid for. And I think, you know, your reaction then is, is if you don't want to sit through it, you get up and you walk out. Now, I, I, I don't. I agree with the, the caller, Jeff, from Fox Point. I don't think that that's something you can go and say, I demand my money back because I didn't come to a you know political thing and, and she went political on me. You know, you, you went to see a performance. But I, I definitely think it's something that, you know, if you know that that's what you're going to get into, it, it might affect whether you ever go back. Jeff, unless you're seeing a band or an artist known for being political, like a Rage Against the Machine or a Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, I wouldn't want to hear a political rant. I'd want to hear their um, hits. Even Billy Joe from Green Day's comment, he was the guy in Great Britain who said he wanted to renounce, he was performing in uh, Great Britain and said he wanted to renounce his citizenship, to which my response was, don't let the door hit you on the way out. And we hear all these celebrities who think that, oh, America is such a terrible country and I'm going to leave it. And then, of course, they're, they're still here. Even Billy Joe from Green Day's comments, renouncing his American citizenship, seemed excessive and unwarranted. Um, yeah, I think that there is an element of that as well. So the bottom line here is I, I think 
as a concert goer, you just have to understand that there's going to be those times when that happened. I suspect at the Halsey show, a, a number of people were just surprised that she decided to spend as much time as she did on that. But that's you, you pay your money, you take your chances. That's what you're going to get. And if you, you don't want to see that, the advice is, well, okay, maybe don't buy tickets to that particular performer. And at some point in time, what's going to happen is if there is enough of a blowback and the performers don't sell tickets, well, that's going to tell you that, okay, maybe they need to just, you know, shut up and play. But otherwise, again, I don't think that there's any stopping that particular thing. And my guess is if you're coming to the Halsey show tomorrow at Summerfest, be prepared for more of the same. You can't say you weren't warned or you can't say you weren't alerted. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Avril Lavigne performing this evening at Summerfest. Milwaukee's lakefront is rocking. WTMJ is, of course, broadcasting live. We can't do what we do on an empty stomach. Thanks to our friends at Major Goolsby's, our entire street team does not have to. Stop by, grab some food. Don't forget to come by and see us as well. One final thought on the Halsey story. Um, one of our texters, yeah, just shut up and play. A few years ago, I went to a Ted Nugent show, and he started talking about gun rights. I hollered, play your music. And I agreed with what he was saying, right? It was just kind of, I was there to listen to him play his music. That's why I paid the tickets. You know, if I if it was a night with Ted Nugent to lecture you about guns and stuff, well, they could have billed it as that. So people will decide for themselves, and the market will ultimately take uh, uh, take over. Um, the, the controversy over uh, abortion and the Roe versus Wade decision, you know, continues to. Um, boil over. It's not really an issue at all in some states because there's many states that um, have laws protecting abortion, etc. In Wisconsin, that's not the case. There's no law that protects it. Now there's this ongoing controversy. You have Tony Evers and Josh Call, the Attorney General, suing to overturn an 1849 ban on abortions. Where that goes in the courts, especially once it gets to the Supreme Court, I, I don't no, you've got district attorneys saying that they're not going to enforce that particular law. But it's, as I've been arguing for the longest time, sooner or later we've got to get a legislative solution. That That's really, that's what this comes to, and that's what the decision about Roe versus Wade last Friday was all about. It said, look, it's up to the states or the, the federal government to make a, a law protecting the right to abortion if we feel that that's, the, that that's the right thing to do. It's just not something that's found in the Constitution. And if you listen to me talk about this, I, I think that's correct. I, I think Roe has always been a result-oriented mess, and now it's in the legislature, and the legislature's got to decide what to do. Which brings me to a story in the Washington Post today focusing on Wisconsin. Wisconsin is the most purple of states, there's just no question about it. Our elections are almost always going to be decided by one or two points one way or the other. It's going to be 52-48 one way or the other. There's a couple exceptions, but they are, they are rare. We are a very, very closely divided state. The conventional wisdom up until last Friday was that it was going to be a, a very, very bad year for Democrats. The... Um, the economy is is a complete and total mess, and and you know people can try to argue 
otherwise. But the, the truth is, you know, we the, the stock market, for example, just as one indicator, had the, the worst first six months of a year since 1970. The bond market had the worst six months of a year ever ever since they have been tracking things. You know, we all look at what's going on with prices, whether it's prices of cars, if you can find a car, we'll talk about that later, or gasoline or food or, or whatever. And people tend to vote their pocketbooks. And if you look at all the different polling out there, that doesn't speak well for the party, in this case, in, in power. However, the question is, what what is going to happen as a result of the, this Roe versus Wade reversal? And the Washington Post is in Wisconsin, and they're speculating on what might this mean? Will this energize suburban voters, and particularly suburban women, who tend to be the swing voters that often decide, you know, election statewide elections in in Wisconsin? And so the Washington Post is is posturing that you know maybe this decision is going to motivate a lot of these particularly suburban women who would otherwise be inclined to vote their pocketbooks and otherwise would be inclined to perhaps vote for a Republican against uh, Tony Evers. This might be the deciding thing that motivates them and causes them to run out and switch their vote. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I question that. I, I guess my my thinking is the people who feel strongly about this issue on both sides of the question, whether you're militantly pro-choice or militantly pro-life, I think those, those numbers kind of even out. And for the vast majority of people who are in the middle, they might have a feeling about this, but it's not going to be what drives their vote. They're going to be much more concerned about, okay, gas prices, and they're going to be much more concerned about public safety issues and things like that. So I continue to believe this is essentially going to be a wash. What do you think? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. This is Alessia Cara performing this evening at Summerfest as well. It really is a beautiful day down here. You should stop off and uh, you, you got my permission to play hooky for a couple hours this afternoon. These are, are really the Chamber of Commerce days that we wait all year for, and so take advantage of it. Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Happy Summerfest. Happy Fourth of July weekend. Same to you, sir. What do you think? How, how is this abortion thing going to cut at the polls? Well, I hope it is a wash. Um, I have feelings on it on both sides. It's, it's very great for me. I certainly support it in some instances, and uh, probably others I don't. Uh, but for me, it's other policies that are more important. Obviously, the economy, uh, the border. I don't want to sound insensitive to the issue, but I hope it is a wash. And the deciding factor is those other issues I spoke of. Yeah, Mike, thanks for the call. No, it's not a question of insensitive. It's a question of we, we all prioritize stuff. Rasmussen, um, which is you might have seen heard of the Rasmussen reports. They're they're one of the, the polling outfits that was out there. They um, earlier this week they, they moved abortion. They have a, a list of critical issues that you know it's based on their polling that that motivates people. That what I'm saying, you know, moves the needle. Voting issues, and they moved abortion up from number 10 on their list to number seven but it's still it's still number seven on 
on their list. Jeff, to me, it's the economy stupid. That's the Bill Clinton term. I found myself pregnant unexpectedly at a young age and felt that it was a baby, so I did what it took. However, I do not judge other women, and to me, it's up to the states. I am extremely concerned, however, about fiscal irresponsibility. Jeff, my wife is pro-life but believes in individual freedom to choose. She will not be voting for anyone that wants to take away a woman's right to choose. And, and there are definitely people who are going to be like that and who that will be their voting issue. The flip side, though, and, and this, is, this is kind of lost in the debate, is there are a number of other people who feel very, very strongly about this on the other side of the issue. I mean, the, it's, it's the folks with the pro-life movement who have been, you know, fighting the battle against Roe for the last 50 years. And I, I think they're going to be motivated to turn out as well. So that, that's the question. But what you have to keep in mind is, in a state like Wisconsin, where we are so purple, where the elections are always so close, it always, always, always comes down to turnout and, you know, which side is able to motivate their voters. And there's no question that at least thus far, you've had Republican voters who are much more enthusiastic about turning out than than Democrat voters. And and that's a pendulum, as I've talked about before. That's a pendulum that flips, you know, back and forth on on many 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 sort of occasions it's a, a situation where you know maybe you have oh i don't know we, we saw that in 2010 um obama's first midterm election there, there was a republican wave that just burst out all over the country because people were reacting to the affordable care act and and pretty much that enthusiasm of republicans to turn out and, and to vote against Obama. They couldn't vote against Obama, but it swept Republicans into the Senate and into Congress. And you see the other thing as well. 2018 was a classic example of that, where you had Democrat voters who were extremely motivated to want to defeat Donald Trump. Well, Donald Trump wasn't on the ballot in 2018, so they ended up in a situation where, you know, what what they did is they, they ran out and they voted for everybody else that they they could vote for and i think that's one of the reasons why as i've argued before that tony evers ended up getting elected um that and the fact that the democrats put like uh, non-binding referendums on marijuana and stuff like that on the ballot but all of those different things led to the the wave that you saw in 2018 so how is this going to play out in 22 2022 i don't know in many states like i say i think it's going to end up being a, a wash um in wisconsin i think it's ultimately going to be a wash but at the same time what you have going on is even if it motivates a certain number of people to to turn out, even if it motivates 1% more of one side or the other to turn out, the argument for, you know, the pro-life movement would be, hey, you know, if we really want to codify the fact that, you know, we're going to put serious limits on the right to abortion, the only way that's going to happen is if you elect a Republican governor, because Evers won't say it. Maybe that's going to motivate those voters to want to go out and turn out and vote. The flip side, of course, is, you know, Tony Evers, and the argument's going to be, well, Republicans are going to get Continue to control the legislature. So, if you want to have any buffer on restrictions on abortion, then you've got to reelect Tony Evers. So, I don't know exactly how it's going to cut. 
all it needs to do is move the needle slightly, and that could change the election. How that all works out, though, you know, time will tell. We are broadcasting live from Summerfest in the one o'clock hour of the program. Want to talk about whether or not it is realistic to expect the former president of the United States to be essentially frog-marched out of Mar-a-Lago in handcuffs and put in an orange jumpsuit, would that be good for the country? We're also going to talk about auto sales sliding because there's no inventory out there. And USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten, what's that all about? All that and a lot more is coming up. The Wagner Show continues after the news from Summerfest. The world's largest music festival is happening now. We're live on the Summerfest grounds of the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Now broadcasting from the fellow windows and doors of Wisconsin WTMJ Mobile Studio. Here's your host, Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. I had an opportunity to go out during the break. As a matter of fact, ran into uh, a couple old friends who are down here for the Military Appreciation Day. The event uh, that kicks off at 3 o'clock this afternoon, right behind our location at the Generac Power Stage. I encourage you, if you're in the area, certainly stop by and take care of that. See you. Check that out. But I actually had an opportunity to get out and kind of walk around just a little bit. And I will tell you. I, and without exaggeration, today is just a beautiful day down at the lakefront. I, I liked yesterday. I kind of like it hot, but some people would say, well, okay, well, less, yesterday was a little bit too warm, although there was a nice breeze. Today, it's absolutely perfect. The temperatures have got to be in the 70s. Um, the sun is shining. Lots of people down here, um, al- although there's still plenty of room for you, so come on down. I think it's going to be interesting to see. I think people are still getting used to the new format, which is, again, three days over three weekends. I happen to think that that's going to be the wave of the future, but I know um, the, the jury is out. People are looking to see how is that going to work out. This is also the 4th of July weekend, and I guess I have, other than my, my overarching comment about, you know, please be safe. Uh, you know, we talk a lot on this program about the just the escalating level of violence in this community, and unfortunately, long weekends where people get together in large groups and people tend to overindulge in alcohol and stuff and people, too many people who shouldn't have guns carry guns and use them in inappropriate ways. You know, you, you hope that maybe kind of cooler heads can prevail and you can convince people to maybe leave the guns at home. Uh, this is the people who shouldn't be carrying guns in the first place. And so it, it's always, you know, number one is be safe. But my, my second message to people over the, the next couple days is, don't be pigs. What do you mean, Jeff? Don't don't be pigs. Well, there, there was a story I, I saw on Channel 12. The Milwaukee County Parks system, they are asking for 4th of July volunteers to serve as kind of like a, a cleanup crew. Now, you will recall that, that fireworks have essentially... Well, they've actually been non-existent, you know, for what I think like the last two years in, in the parks. This year they are back, the, the 4th of July celebrations and stuff, and they expect large crowds. The problem, though, is when people go and attend these events, people are pigs. And I, I've, I've told this story before. I remember, gosh, it, it was years ago, and I remember... I was doing a 4th of July show in the morning here, and I've told this story before, but I was I was driving down you know, Lake Drive and Lincoln Memorial Drive, and it was after the 3rd of July fireworks. And just driving that route, 
you know, where the lakefront fireworks had been, if you looked like at Veterans Park and things like that, it looked like a bomb had fallen. There was trash. There was crap all over. People just going to the thing and, and then just, just leaving their, their garbage there. It was just, it was appalling that and that you'd have situations like that. I mean, and so I understand back then they had more parks workers, and so it had to be like a, a two-day project to kind of clean up for this. So what the county is saying right now is they're asking for volunteers, uh, 10 volunteers at 13 parks, and they're also asking for 20 volunteers at the lakefront. The idea is can you come down and can you work with our, our parks department, because the parks department is understaffed as it is now, and can you help us provide cleanup? And I, I think... I mean, it's great if people have the time and stuff to do that, and I certainly hope it works out. But the underlying story to this is it shouldn't get to this point. You shouldn't need to ask for, you know, 20 volunteers at the lakefront. People should be willing to clean up after themselves. So that the simple advice here is, you know, if you're going to go enjoy the fireworks at one of the parks or down here at the lakefront, Bring a couple garbage bags, and when you, you know, you have your picnics, you know, drink your beers, do whatever you're going to do, but just don't leave the stuff there. Just bring a couple garbage bags, clean up after yourself, and if the trash cans are overflowing and there's no place to put the garbage bag, well, put it in your car, take it home, and dispose of it yourself. If everybody just, it's sort of this basic thing, if everybody just picked up and cleaned up after themselves, we wouldn't have these various problems. So I guess that's my 4th of July request. First of all, it's enjoy yourself, be safe, and don't be a pig. All right, when we come back, what about frog marching the former president out of Mar-a-Lago in handcuffs? Think about that image. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Don't fear the reaper. That is Blue Oyster Cult performing here at Summerfest today. I'm telling you, they've got an all-star lineup. Stop down, enjoy it. The weather is absolutely perfect. You know, just a final thought on what we were talking about, my, my comment, please don't be pigs. Um, a number of people are saying, why don't they Why don't they use House of Correction inmates to help clean up the lakefront? And, you know, I, I honestly don't know. That That's, to me, if they don't, that, that's a very good question. For for years, and I, I don't know that they still do this at Summerfest, but I can remember I am I can remember again doing when I used to do the the morning show, the show that's you know now it, it's Scafidi's time slot. But I could remember we would broadcast live from Summerfest, even though Summerfest didn't open until noon or whatever. And I would be down here, you know, broadcasting um, while the cleanup was going on. And you had a number of guys that were in like the orange jumpsuits that were going around together with a lot of the other workers who were cl- p- uh, picking up the ground. So I don't know if they still do that or not, but um, that, that is an interesting thing. And I, I, I don't, obviously you have to have some sort of controls to make sure people aren't going to run off or whatever. But uh, clearly that, that's, I think, something that maybe you should look into if it's possible to do it to the extent they don't. But the bottom line is it shouldn't really be that necessary. We should all just take some responsibility for picking up after ourselves, which means if you're going to that event and you're going to be in the public area, just take the trash bag or two along with you, fill it up, and put it in the appropriate spot instead of leaving your crap all over the area. All right, let us switch gears. Uh, 
there's no question that Donald Trump is one of the most polarizing figures in certainly recent American political history. Now, some people might say he's the most polarizing figure ever. Nah, that's that's. I mean, I I I came of age during Watergate, and I remember Richard Nixon, and I remember Lyndon Johnson, and and and. But but Trump clearly is a polarizing figure in today's day and age. We all have. I think a good idea of of what happened in the aftermath of the 2020 election. Uh, President Trump refused to accept the notion that he had lost the uh, election legitimately. Um, They explored, he and his people explored a number of different avenues. They filed countless lawsuits, and and actually those lawsuits went nowhere. Um, In an unwillingness to accept the election results, President Trump surrounded himself by an increasingly fringe group of people who would tell him what he wanted to hear and would come up with one bizarre theory after another. And and more and more, the the people I'm going to call the mainstream people who raised issues that might have been serious if they had merit, they kind of got pushed out. And Trump's inner circle became the the, the real, the kook fringe. That's just the honest-to-goodness kook fringe. To this day, though, I believe that Donald Trump, in his mind, still believes that the election was, in fact, stolen. So you you had all these different things and all these different schemes that were developed to try to, you know, keep him in power, including the false electors and things like that. You also had the events of January 6th. And again, I don't know that they're really plowing new ground on these January 6th hearings, but they're certainly amplifying on details and things like that. I mean, I think we all know what happened. You had President Trump, who certainly inspired and riled up this this mob that then stormed the Capitol. Some of the people were, I mean, I don't know if they were serious about saying, let's hang Mike Pence, but some of the people were clearly there to do damage. Other people were what I call just the chaos tourists, the people who were kind of caught up with the group and they're wandering around and they're taking selfies for themselves. But there's also no question, at least in my mind, that whether you believe President Trump tried to grab the steering wheel of a Secret Service car or or not, there's no question that, at least in the beginning, he was... He was do. He did not do anything to try to calm down the people who had stormed the Capitol. He just he he didn't. You you can say he incited them, but he certainly didn't do anything to to calm them down. So you you get an idea of what happened. It was chaos after the election. It was chaos on January sixth. Chaos doesn't necessarily translate into a crime, however. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All sorts of speculation as to whether the current Attorney General, Merrick Garland, should in fact convene a grand jury for the purpose of indicting Donald Trump for various potential crimes, whether it's, I don't know, conspiracy to obstruct a government proceeding, whether it's conspiracy to defraud the government, whether it's incitement of insurrection, things like that. I mean, very potentially serious charges. But again, to bring criminal charges against a former president of the United States would be, you know, it would be quite a step. I mean, this is what happens in banana republics where, you know, one one leadership, you know, one regime leaves power and then they ended up getting prosecuted and for actions they've done by the newest regime. That historic does not happen in the United States. Our number, 855-616-1620. All right, 
would you like to see Donald Trump prosecuted criminally? Would that be good for the country? We discuss in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Machine Gun Kelly performing this evening at Summerfest. Milwaukee's Lakefront is rocking. WTMJ is broadcasting live, and we can't do what we do on an empty stomach. Thanks to our friends at Major Goolsby's, our entire street team doesn't have to. Stop by, grab some food, and don't forget to come by and see us. All right, I think we, to the extent people didn't have a, a picture of what happened in the after the November elections in 2020 and leading up to the events of January 6th, I, I think people get a pretty clear idea of that. The question now is, what what happens? Now, I believe, and I know some of you disagree with me on both sides of the aisle, but that, that's okay. I personally believe that, that Donald Trump, as a political figure, I mean, as a candidate himself, I, I think that that ship has sailed. And I think more and more Republicans, even if they uh, might have supported President Trump and his policies, I think more and more Republicans recognize that he's just unelectable moving forward, and, and they need to they need to move on. And I think... Trump might not get it, but I think that's the reality. There is a different question, though, about whether or not the Department of Justice should investigate and continue the investigation and consider bringing charges, which would be pretty much unprecedented. I think most legal observers believe that, well, if if you would do do this, it's no slam dunk. I mean, there's no guarantee at all that you'd be able to prove this. On top of that, you serve to make Donald Trump a martyr in the eyes of, of lots and lots of people. And so I guess the question becomes, is it worth it to try to drag a former president into court? And, and what's, what's going to happen? You know, put him behind bars? I mean, really? Is that, is that good for the country? 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Don on the west side. Don, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Uh, number one. Hi. There's no one above the law. So, I mean, as far as putting him in jail, geez, that's too bad. Well, there's a number of things that they could be indicting him on and stuff like that, but there's one that sticks out. That's all you need. His phone call to Georgia, find me 16,000-some-odd votes, and then let, it, let me and the Republican the congressman take it from there. Take it from there. That will overthrow the election right there. Just find those votes for me. If that's not so you think- a conspiracy or illegal, I don't know what is. Well, uh, thanks for call, Don. I mean, I guess that's the, the the question. I mean, is that that's not that's not a conspiracy per se because you're, you're not conspiring with with anybody. You know, yeah, that that you've got that call. I will tell you this. I think if there, if if there is somebody that is inclined to go after former President Trump, you, you've identified the 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 case that I think would be the clearest one, which was that that phone call. Of course, you know, Trump's response is going to be, no, look, I legitimately believed that this election was stolen. And and this is the thing. So much comes down, a lot of these charges, what people have to understand, comes down to intent. And I, I think to this day, you know, you have a lot of people around President Trump, including former President Trump himself, who continues to believe, despite all this other evidence that is out there, that legitimately thinks that the election was, in fact, stolen. So, I mean, Trump's response would be, hey, I, I wasn't doing anything illegal. I firmly believe that this election was being stolen. I wasn't trying to tell him to manufacture votes. I was just saying, hey, identify this fraudulent vote. that We know there's at least that many out there. Now, I... You know, was that in touch with reality? Well, well, no, it it wasn't. 
but you do have to prove criminal intent. I just bring this up to say this is not a slam dunk, and anybody who thinks it is a slam dunk is just is, is just misleading. But what does it say about the country? I mean, is this that kind of spectacle? Is that would that be something that would be good? for the country to drag this out for another year or two or or three and then you know what ends up happening um no question about it jeff i've said the american president will not see a day in jail but what does it say if he isn't prosecuted especially for the investigation fund that he's built prosecuted convicted and pardoned um Yes, Jeff, I'm sorry, but criminally charging is a step too far for me. I think it would be a mistake to do so. We've heard all there is to hear, and we now know. Move on. This is dragging out those hearings. That's about all I can stomach. And Trump should retire to one of his um, resorts as well. Um, Jeff, good. Put him in a psychiatric ward. Jeff, many of the politicians that are going after him are probably involved in bad or uh, criminal activity themselves. Um, okay, look, I, I'm, just, I'm just giving you a, a sample of, of the text that we are getting, and there's a lot of them, and people are, are split. And what I want people to think about with this, so just, just think about it. And I understand people feel very strongly on this particular issue, but... We are already divided as a country. Ask yourself the question, do we want to go through this for another couple years? So let's say you get some district attorney or federal prosecutor somewhere who, oh, I don't know, late this year decides we're going to indict the former president. So then that's going to be the story of, of 2023. We're going to have you know, a former president of the United States who's going to be under these investigations. There's no guarantee that you're going to get a conviction. I'm, I'm just telling you that. It, it, there's no guarantee. This isn't like, okay, well, we've got evidence that somebody stole money or something like this. It would be a flyer. I'm not saying you couldn't get a conviction, but anybody who thinks it's a dead-bang winner you're missing the boat. So the issue then becomes, okay, what are we really accomplishing? And and what is the end game here? And is it good for the country to put the country through that for another year, understanding that the, the views of Donald Trump, it's not going to change. People, you know, you love him, you hate him, doesn't matter. It's not going to change. So if we go ahead and we, we have a trial, you know, what, what happens? And what happens if he's acquitted? Okay, what, what, is, what does that do for all those of you who want him prosecuted? And if he's convicted, what, what does that do? You're going to really put him in jail? Uh, kind of doubtful. I'm just saying you've got to tread really, really lightly here. That's Time Flies performing this evening at Summerfest. Just an absolutely beautiful day down here. Um, what, one more. Again, it's, it's a tragic, it's a sad story, and it's, it's worthy of just a couple brief comments because it, it happens all too often. I am a big believer in the right of people to you know, legally and responsibly own firearms. But there are responsibilities that come with this, and it's why stories like this just go right through you. The medical count, Milwaukee County Medical Examiner confirming three-year-old boy died. He was shot Friday morning. Um, he ended up, again, this was a situation where apparently uh, a gun that I presume was loaded was left in a position where the kid could get it. 
and got a hold of a gun, unintentionally fired and killed himself. Again, 6 a.m., 19th in Juneau. The, um, I presume it's the mom. The story is that a 28-year-old woman was arrested in connection with the incident and criminal charges will be referred. No matter what you do, though, you know, you, you, do I think you bring criminal charges if somebody left a, a firearm, particularly a loaded firearm, within access to a kid? Of course, you have to bring those charges, but it, it doesn't bring the kid back. It's just, it's just an awful situation that is, once again, a cautionary tale and a teachable moment that says that if you're going to have guns around the house, you, you've got to be responsible with, with those, and whether that's trigger locks or gun safes or, or whatever – but, you know, if you've got kids around the house, you just can't leave firearms in a position that those kids can get a hold of them because nothing, nothing, nothing good is going to come from that. All right. Let me see a show of hands. Has anybody tried to purchase an automobile lately? Well, if, if you have, oh, there we go. <laughs> One of our people, if, if you have, you, you found that, that there's kind of a couple different things that are going on here. First of all, good luck. Because if you go to a car lot, particularly if you want to purchase a, a new car, um, what you find is that inventory is is pretty much non-existent. Uh, sales of new vehicles in the U.S. during the first six months of this year are believed to have fallen about 20% from a, a year earlier. And in addition to that, the average transaction price to buy a new vehicle $45,800, which is a nearly 15% increase from a year earlier. And, and what's going on here is, first of all, sales are dropping off because the dealers do not have inventory. They, they just can't get the cars. And secondly, because there is a shortage of cars, what people are doing is people are, are paying at a premium. Um, it's just, you know, staggering about this. Um, Edmund says that nearly 13% of customers who financed a new vehicle purchased last month committed to monthly payments of at least $1,000, which is an all-time high. So right now, if you're going to go and you want to buy a new car, you're paying a premium for it. Chances are that you're you're not going to necessarily be able to have the variety of choices that would you would be used to where you go and say hey i want to buy a uh, toyota camry okay well we've got like six toyota camrys here you know these are the different bells and whistles that we have on them what color do you want etc chances are if you've got to have that you want it you're not going to have much choice over that and it doesn't look like that's necessarily going to change now one of the things that people are doing is they've taken to ordering cars the idea that, all right, I don't need a car exactly right now, um, but I'm going to want a car three months from now, six months from now. So what I'll do is I'll cut a deal, I'll order it, I'll get exactly what I want, and I'm willing to wait 90 days. I'm willing to wait 180 days, and I'll just kind of make do. So more and more people are doing that. Our number is 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How are you dealing with the problem of trying to get a new car. Is it I'm keeping my old car longer because I don't want to pay inflated prices, so I'm just I'm putting money into the old car? Is it, hey, I really want a car right now, I don't care, so it costs me 15% more, I want it, I'm willing to pay for it? 855-616-1620, which is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How big a deal is this? I, I know for me personally, 
one of my cars is at the stage where it, it's fine, but it's a stage where I would be thinking about replacing it and getting a new car. Well, I just I don't think that that's going to happen, at least not in, in the short term, because the car I'm driving is perfectly fine. Um, you know, put some money into it, maybe new brakes or whatever. I think I can get another X thousands of miles out of it, and I don't want to pay 15 or 20% more for a car. And then when I decide to, to go get a car, I want to have those normal choices I have. So for me, I think I'm just going to make a commitment to keeping the car longer. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And this is not changing. I mean, it appears that at least for the balance of the year, this is the dynamic we're going to look for. How are you reacting? 855-616-1620. We discuss in just a moment. Stone Temple Pilots performing this evening at Summerfest. We are, by the way, of course, broadcasting live from the lakefront. Come down and check us out. Matter of fact, we've got one of our listeners right across the way who texts me. Jeff, we ordered a hybrid Camry and are waiting up to six months for it. By the way, this is the guy across from you wearing the Navy shirt. Thank you for your service, sir. 855-616-1620. Just to give you an idea, General Motors announced today they've got nine, they have built 95,000 vehicles. But they can't deliver them because certain semiconductors and other parts, they're, they're missing, and they can't get them. They've got 95,000 vehicles that apparently they've had to set aside that they can't ship to dealers until they, they get these parts. So they're 95% finished or whatever, but they can't be delivered. And this is, of course, causing the, this huge backlog. So if you go to buy a new car nowadays, be prepared to pay 15 to 18% more than you paid just last year, and your choice is going to be dramatically narrowed. Let's talk to Joe in Delafield. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Good. What do you think? Well, I actually work at a car dealership, so I kind of see all sides of the story. I was in the same situation, was in desperate need of a car. I could not wait. Within the group that I work in, I was trying to purchase a vehicle, figuring I had a lot of options. There were limited options. The friends and family deals that used to be available are no longer available. Uh, right. Toy pricing is no longer available. So no special deals and markups. I actually found a dealer outside of the group that doesn't mark up their vehicles. So we were able to get a vehicle that we would not have even thought about because we were in desperate need. <laughs> but... I work I work on the service side of it, and the service side of it has been fantastic because people sure. are now deciding to repair their vehicles versus buying new ones because it's so expensive. So there's always a silver side to the cloud. Well, yeah, and, and, and see, and, and again, that that sounds like the exact situation that I'm I'm in. My, my car is perfectly serviceable. It, it's got it, it's like five years old, perfectly serviceable, good shape. You know, I've maintained it well. You know, it's getting to that point where it's going to need some stuff. Maybe it's going to need the new brakes or whatever. But I'm sitting here making this mental calculation. Boy, it, it's I I put new brakes on it. I do a couple other things. I put a couple grand into it, and it's going to. It'll be fine for another couple of years, or do I go and, and try to you know spend forty five thousand or whatever the average would be on a car? And you start to do the math, and I'm thinking, man, I want to keep this car on the road as long as possible. Absolutely, the fifteen percent markup or eighteen percent markup that you're paying, do the math and figure out how much service would go onto your vehicle. It makes way more sense to fix your vehicle, make it last for a couple of years, wait for the markups to come down, rebates to come back. 
So definitely right. worth the wait. Are you having trouble getting parts in, in the service area, or isn't that as much a problem? No, we've we've been doing pretty well. Uh, no issues with parts. Uh, delivery of parts has been an issue, The because vehicles for the delivery companies are down or are so overwhelmed with deliveries that they're instead of one day out delivery, they're now two or three days out because um, right. they're having trouble finding drivers and vehicles. But, I mean, not, not too bad. Good. Hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's... I mean, I think more and more people are starting to make that calculation. Now, the problem is, what what if you what if you don't have that that what if you don't have that luxury? What if your your car has just I don't know been total or it's completely died and they've said, okay, look, there's really there, there's nothing we can do. You're looking at several thousand dollars and it's a 15 year old car and it's not practical to do that. So, I mean, for a lot of us, for me, again, it's it's an option that you have i think the real problem though is for the people who, who just don't absolutely have that option nate in west bend nate you're on wtmj good afternoon yeah good afternoon jeff yeah so uh, my wife and i we've been leasing for i'd say the past six years so two vehicles and it's been working fine but we wanted to get out of the leasing aspect and just buy a vehicle but uh, with a growing family we wanted an suv with a third row so we were we had done some shopping around at different dealerships, and um, the dealerships we went to, they didn't have anything brand new for us to test drive. And they're like, "Well, we can yeah. certainly order you one." And it it's just a very difficult thing to order something sight unseen and hope that you're going to like it. I mean, paying forty five thousand dollars for something that you can't lay your eyes on it's it's pretty tough. So um, did, we did you consider use salesman that. Oh. Um, we we thought about it, but my wife just was really set on getting something new. Got it. Just okay. Because we yeah. it was pretty much going to be our our final vehicle that we'd purchase for a while. Right. Um. So we reached out to our the salesman at the dealership we've been working with for both of our leases, and he said, "Well, I do have a vehicle coming in. Come on down and take a look. It's not going to last long." And it had everything we wanted, the third row, and, um, well, you know, I mean, we didn't need anything crazy, bells and whistles, but it, it uh, had what we wanted, so we are like, yeah, let's go, let's let's jump on this, and if we would have bought it, our payments would have been, I think, $200 more than what we wanted right. to pay, so really, we ended up leasing again, but, I mean, we do plan on buying this one now that we have all the boxes checked, so... It, it was kind of just the right place, right time, because, right. you know, just going back to right. the, the point of the big decision, you know, it's the second most expense than oh, yeah. a house. So. Oh, yeah. No, thanks for calling, Nate. I appreciate it. And, that, and that's, that, that's the, the challenge that's out there. Now, I, I do think it's going to get better. I mean, again, I, I look at this story, this GM story. They, they've got 95,000 vehicles that are almost ready to go except they're waiting for a couple computer chips or they're waiting for the semiconductors or whatever at some point in time that supply chain shortage is going to ease up and all of a sudden whatever part that they need it's going to come and and i suspect auto other auto dealers have that issue as well okay these are all ready to go okay boom we've got it now we can turn around and we can get rid of well the dealers now there's ninety five thousand gm vehicles that are suddenly now in the market and all so i mean i do think it's going to get better at some point in time but right now 
it's really just really a, a tough time unless, of course, I, it changes the way you might want to view like purchasing car to begin with. I do think that there's going to be more and more people, and I've said this before, who get used to just the, the ordering online. Maybe you go to the dealership, you say, I don't need to have the car right now. Um, I, I'm willing to order it, so I've got everything. Do you have something? Do you have a Do you have a, a Toyota Rav Four so I can just test drive it to see what this feels like? And then people go ahead and order it. Jeff, I have a car on order. Ordered in January. I was told six months. I'm now being told I'm lucky to have it by Christmas. I'm paying MSRP, which is okay. Um, quite sure I would have had to pay anyways. Jeff, I tried to try to buy a new car, but many deals um, are adding. Many of the dealerships are adding additional deals or markup anywhere from two grand to fifteen grand above the steeler sticker price. Why? Because they can. Even if it's legal, I don't think it's moral. Well, I think it's probably legal. I mean, it's a free market. It's sort of like people who are out there buying houses. You know, at the at the height of the housing boom. A year ago, you know, you had these stories about people who would come in and somebody would say, I want $400,000 for my house. And next thing you know, you've got two or three people that are in bidding wars. And somebody says, well, I'll give you 410. Somebody says, I'll give you 420. Um, it, it's, it's, it's legal. That's it. Jeff, I had to order a new truck as the dealer didn't have any. I ordered it in March and now it is stuck in Toronto waiting on shipment as there are no truck drivers to deliver it. You know, that's one of the other factors that are out there. Um, you know, there, there's no question about it that it ends up becoming, you know, a major problem about how are you going to get these, how are we going to get these things um, here, and you know, what are we going to end up doing this, Jeff? I'm just completely bewildered by what is going on in the automobile industry. Based on the new cars they are not producing and selling, these companies should be going out of business or having huge layoffs. I don't like to be a conspiracy theorist, but sometimes I think the government's paying for large auto companies in our country to not produce and forcing people into electric vehicles at some point. Well, you've got the same problem with electric vehicles as far as production that you have with other stuff as well. Look, the bottom line is I think it's going to get better. But if you're in a situation right now where you need that new car and you don't have any choices, just be prepared. Limited choices and lots more money. That's just the way of the world. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is, of course, Avril Levine performing this evening at Summerfest. Um, WTMJ's Lakefront is rocking. We're broadcasting live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone at Summerfest. Come by, see your favorite WTMJ personalities. This is, of course, the 4th of July weekend. I also I wanted to give you just a, a little bit of a heads up just to reinforce stuff. And matter of fact, there was a, a piece in JS Online that, in some respects, was a little bit misleading. It was written by a guy in, in Green Bay. Um, and the headlines: What Wisconsin fireworks laws? What's legal on the Fourth of July? And then there's a question: Are there any legal fireworks in Wisconsin? Snakes, snakes, and sparklers, my friends. Snakes and sparklers. Well, actually, that that's not completely and totally true. Even though, and this is one of the weird things: Even though there's all sorts of places where you can buy fireworks. As a general rule, fireworks are, are illegal. Now, there's some places you can get permits to shoot them off, but it, it, it's always been weird to me, but that's just how the state law works. You can buy them, but you can't necessarily uh, shoot them off. In addition, um, the, the rules are different from different municipalities. For example, in the city of Milwaukee, um, 
if it explodes, it's illegal. If it flies, it's illegal. And if it sparkles, it is illegal. Yep, I mean, using a sparkler is, in fact, sparklers are illegal in the city of Milwaukee. Now, there, there is this kind of irony, given the fact that you have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people who are, are shot, that, you know, we're going to concentrate on sparklers. But I'm just telling you, sparklers are illegal. Um, if you get caught with a sparkler, the fine could, using a sparkler, the fine could be up to $500. It could be more than $1,000. If um, you give your kid a sparkler, now I'm not saying how often that's enforced, but just so people know, um, not all fireworks are illegal and many aren't. Many that you would think are just benign, you, you still can't use them. So don't don't ruin your Fourth of July weekend by getting a $500 ticket for using a sparkler. Just saying. All right, lots of stuff coming up in the 2 o'clock hour, including Pop Culture Corner. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from Summerfest. The world's largest music festival is happening now. We're live on the Summerfest grounds of the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Now broadcasting from the fellow windows and doors of Wisconsin WTMJ Mobile Studio. Here's your host, Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Like the big voice guy says, we are live here at Summerfest. Um... It's a wonderful day out here. It's just kind of a little bit overcast right now, but the temperature is absolutely perfect. It, it's like in the low 70s. It is just beautiful. Lots of people down here, but lots of room as well. So come on down and enjoy yourselves. Um, Summerfest 2022 so far has been blessed by really, really good weather, and we hope that continues. And I think it would be great if you could make Summerfest part of your 4th of July festivities. All right, I, I want I kind of want to lighten it up in the 2 o'clock hour of the program. Pop Culture Corner coming up, like always, at 2.30. But uh, I, I was listening to our, our news, and uh, Greg had Greg Matzik had our sports report. This is I'm curious as to how you feel about this story. The you know the the Big Ten historically had ten teams in it, hence the name Big Ten. Well, then the Big Ten expanded, and they added um, two schools, and the Big Ten became the became the Big Ten with 12 teams. Then in 2013, the league expanded again when Maryland, that was uh, performed in the, uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference, and Rutgers of the Big East joined. And so the Big Ten became 14. And that's been the way it's operated for the better part of the last you know, like 10 years or so. Well, the, the story that broke yesterday is apparently... USC, that is the University of Southern California, and UCLA, University of California, Los Angeles, they have announced that they are going to bolt from the Pac-12, the Pacific 12, and they intend to join the Big Ten for the 2024-2025 academic year. This will increase the Big Ten to 16 teams. And it's clear that what's going to happen is that the Big Ten will become, again, 16 schools, but it will be on a par probably with the SEC, the Southeastern Conference, who is scheduled to add Texas and Oklahoma in 2024, and the SEC, which is traditionally, these are the football powerhouses, Alabama and Auburn and um, Tennessee and things like that. Well, then Texas and Oklahoma are going to be joining the SEC. So they have what they call now the Power Five conferences. Well, this what this is really 
going to do is it's going to kind of realign college football. So you're going to have like a power two conference, and then you're going to have, you know, all the rest. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How do you feel about the, these two California schools joining the, what has traditionally been a, a Midwestern operation? You know, I mean, the Big Ten, you think of the Big Ten, and you think of Ohio State, Michigan, and Purdue, and you think of Wisconsin, you think of Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, um, and, and they've been gradually expanding. But now you're talking about a presence that, that has, at least geographically, absolutely nothing to do with the the midwest now from the perspective of uw well it's there's all sorts of advantages because now you know football fans and basketball fans too but football fans in particular you know you'll get a chance every other year maybe to have ucla or usc come to camp randall so you'll be able to see these teams that presumably you wouldn't have been able to see outside of the rose bowl before the rose bowl was always historically the the matchup between you know the big 10 teams and the pacific 12 teams well that's you <laughs> that kind of changes this dynamic it also gives the big 10 presence in i, I think most of the the major media markets, because now, you know, with Rutgers, you've got a presence in New York, the New York market. You know, um, obviously with Illinois and Northwestern, you've got a presence in the Chicago TV market. And now you've got a presence in L.A., uh, which is the number three TV market. So that's big. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. But it's it's completely changing the rules for for college football and at least it's breaking down all these historical barriers where it used to be you'd have all these regional leagues and now we're moving to essentially two super leagues and everybody else let's start with scott in south milwaukee scott you're on wtmj good afternoon hey good afternoon jeff thanks for taking my phone call no my sure. take is i'm gonna come at this from a student athlete perspective all right i would not want to be a student athlete where we're playing on a, on the basketball team whatever, in being at, at UCLA and having to play a Tuesday night game on the East Coast at Rutgers University in, in New Jersey, and then having whatever to balance whatever the, the, the student part of being a student athlete and getting, all, and, getting, and getting all that part of it done as well. I just think that it's, it's going to be unmanageable from a student athlete perspective. Plus, I mean, I just don't like breaking up the, tradi- the traditional stuff of a Midwestern-based conference, whatever, and bringing in schools from – from Southern California, who have no cultural attachment, whatever, to the Midwest. I guess my question is, did did, did the Big Ten, did the genie get let out of that bottle, though, when they reached out? You could make that same argument about bringing in Rutgers from New York or, um, or you know, Maryland. You know, I mean, no geographical ties at all. I mean, is it, did that kind of go out the window maybe a dozen years ago? I, yes, yes, it did because because like when you look at the when you look at like Rutgers in Maryland and what they bring to the Big Ten from an athletic competitive standpoint, I mean every now and then Maryland's basketball team is somewhat competitive. They have a competitive lacrosse team, but other than that, I mean Maryland brings brought nothing from a competitive balance standpoint. And and and, and maybe like with, with Rutgers with the wrestlers every now and then they shine, but they brought no competitive balance from an athletic standpoint. I mean the whole deal of it was. Was the Big Ten would have wanted access to those media markets for the for, for the right. Big Ten network, but it didn't bring any from an athletic competitive standpoint. It added nothing. 
Yeah. Well, Scott, thanks for the call. You, you just, by, by the way, you just, you, you did, you hit on the, the underlying thing of, of what's going on here. I, I, was, I was reading the statement that the interim chancellor from UW came out with, um, and, and, and part of it, UW-Madison has deep historical ties to California from both our fan and alumni base. The addition of USC and UCLA will give our West Coast alumni even more opportunity to see their beloved Badgers at, when they travel to Los Angeles for games. And um, as nationally and internationally respected higher education leaders, the opportunities created to deepen research partnerships and other collaborations with UW-Madison and other Big Ten schools make USC and UCLA terrific new members. Now, look, look. Let, let me just kind of call BS here. I mean, let, let's let, let's understand. It's, it's Scott was alluding to it. This this is all about TV and money. That that's you know that's that's what it is. This has nothing to do with deepening research partnerships and other collaborations. This has to do with uh, again getting access to the Los Angeles TV market, and that that's that's well and good. This has to do with competing with the SEC, which has become like the dominant football uh, league conference in the in the country, and especially given the fact that the SEC is adding Texas and Oklahoma to traditional powerhouses, this allows the Big Ten to compete, and and it leaves. I mean. What, what's left in the Pac-12? I mean, seriously. I mean, what 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 are they going to end up doing? You know, what's this going to mean for you know some of the other conferences that are around as well? And and I think what you're seeing is you've got two dominant conferences. It's not about education. Um, I mean, maybe to an extent, it's a little bit about you know the the fans, and now you get to see teams at Camp Randall, you know, more than you would otherwise, and that's all well and good. But at the end of the day, this is about money, and I'm not being critical of it. it it's a decision. You got to understand that it's all about money, and it's always all about money. And this is a decision UCLA and USC thought that it was in their interest that the Pac-12 was kind of decaying, that the West Coast football was getting like pushed aside, that they weren't getting the attention that they want, and they can make a lot more money by joining the Big Ten, even if it means to the extent our and the point our caller was making it's correct. You got you know some scheduling nightmares, you've got logistical nightmares, you've got travel problems and all. All that stuff, but I think they figure you can work that out and you can make more dough. So let, let's just understand this is about following the Benjamins, nothing more, nothing less. And from that perspective, it makes sense. From a Badgers fan's perspective, now if I was in the Pac-12, if I was at Washington, Oregon State, I'd be mad as heck. From our perspective here at Wisconsin, I think, you know, great because, you know, it gives you a couple more, like, really good teams to watch. It gives you an excuse that maybe you can, you know, go follow the team to California sometime other than for the Rose Bowl, and it brings more money to the area. That's all good. Is it good for college football? That's a more difficult question. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Alessia Cara performing this evening at Summerfest. As we've been doing for the last two days, we are broadcasting live from the lakefront. It is a beautiful day down here. Actually, the sun is kind of a little bit overcast for the first time all day, but the temperature is absolutely perfect. Come on down and enjoy it. There's plenty of room for you. Let's see. Um, Jeff, I can't wait to watch Wisconsin at the Coliseum. Well, that's going to be a huge one. Jeff, I'm a huge UCLA fan. When this was announced, I was overwhelmed with excitement. Go Bruins. 
Well, okay, that's a sentiment, but it, it, that, that's the opportunity. It, it's on a regular basis. Wisconsin sport fans are going to be able to you know, see a couple other teams. Jeff, I think the inclusion of USC and UCLA will be bad for the Badgers because those teams often are very good and likely will make it much more difficult for the Badgers to get to a big bowl game like the Rose Bowl or get to a decent bid in the NCAA tournament. Too many consistently good teams in the Big Ten is greatly detrimental to the playoff opportunities of the original schools like UW. Well, see, here's the here's the thing, though. When you're out there recruiting athletes, athletes want to play at the best. I mean, and so I think that this is going to be one of the challenges. You're going to have, like, let's take football, for example. You know, football players are going to want to go to the best schools that they can get into in the best conferences. And if you look at what's going on with the SEC right now, I mean, it's already this dominant conference. And then they're going to add Texas. They're going to add Oklahoma. Um, I, I, this this is the Big Ten's way of competing. It also, I think, gives the Big Ten, places like Wisconsin, uh, another opportunity to go in and to, I don't know, maybe recruit in, in California that they might not have otherwise had. And I'm not saying they'll recruit people from California, but now if the deal is, hey, you know, we're... You know, you go to the, the kid who's playing in Los Angeles or something, the Los Angeles high school player, and you say, hey, look, you know, you join us. It's the Big Ten. You know, your parents are going to get a chance to come see you play, or we're going to be playing here for a couple times. I, I think, again, it's all about the money. I'm not naive, and that's what's driving everything. It's about the money. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be bad. Speaking of being all about the money, there's an interesting story. The Milwaukee Office of Violence Prevention which, if you just look at the crime statistics, you know really hasn't been doing a, a very good job of preventing violence. They're set to receive almost $11 million in city and state funds over the next several years, and nobody, nobody, nobody has asked the question of what do they do with the money and is there any result? You know, is there any result in it? What, what do we get for $11 million? And finally, there's a couple aldermen who are saying, look, we, we want to, audit this you know we let's let's figure out an objective way let's look at this let's see all right where is this money going and what is the effect of it and you know i know a couple of the aldermen are now the the idea is well don't you understand how can you be against violence prevention but it's like we're not against violence prevention but we just want to know all this money we were putting into these programs justify that any of this is worth it and, of course, the folks from the Office of Violence Prevention are going, hum and hum and hum and of course, of course it's worth it. Well, okay, let's audit this and find out. We all do that in our everyday lives when it's our money. All right, I'm spending money on this. What am I getting out of it? Is it, in fact, working? And if it's not working, maybe you figure you take the money somewhere else. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with the Office of Violence Prevention, but at least somebody is finally asking the correct question. Let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner broadcasting live from Summerfest. This is Machine Gun Kelly performing this evening at Summerfest. We are broadcasting live from the lakefront. This is day five of Summerfest, scattered over three weekends this year. So this is the official halfway point of Summerfest. So far, they've had absolutely great weather, and you just simply hope that continues. Hey, a quick update on a story that we've been talking about for the last several years. If you grew up in this area like I did, you would remember. You can remember this thing called Northridge when 
and it was a thriving shopping center where if you were a kid and you grew up on the in the North Shore or whatever, that's that's where you went and, and hung out. And they had movie theaters, and they had restaurants, and they had all sorts of stores. It, it was this this vibrant sort of place. And then Northridge just kind of completely and totally fell apart, and now it is just it is decrepit. It is decrepit. It is falling down. There was there is the, this Asian outfit that came in and, and bought Northridge, and when they bought Northridge, the idea was they said, oh, we're going to start this Asian trademark, um, which nobody ever thought made any sense because nowadays shopping malls have, have fallen out of favor. And the company has done absolutely nothing to get those plans off the ground. Meanwhile, Northridge has continued to deteriorate, and it's just it's just a disaster area, a complete and total. It is an eyesore. You've had you know people who one, one guy was killed there. It's regularly the subject of vandalism. It is just an eyesore. The city wants to come in and tear it down and then do something else with it. And this this company that it owns it has been fighting that, and they got a favorable ruling from a state appellate court um, a couple months ago, a ruling that to me I think is just completely and totally dead wrong. But then... Then the problems were that I presume they weren't paying their attorneys. Their attorneys decided that they wanted to withdraw. And so I think some of us thought maybe that's going to end this whole thing. Well, now apparently they found new attorneys that are willing to work for them, and they're continuing the Northridge stall. Bottom line is this is never going to be a viable retail area again. What needs to happen is the city needs to condemn it like they're trying to do. They need to raise it, R-A-Z-E, tear it down, and then they need to figure out something else, whether it's light industrial use or whether it's a space for a juvenile correctional facility or something. But leaving it in the state it's in is just appalling. It is unconscionable. And I'm afraid this is going to go on for another five or ten years. And ten years from now, we're still going to be having the same darn conversation. It's time to level Northridge and move on. It's time now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. And now, here is Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. We have reached that point in time of the week where we put away the heavy lifting. We stopped talking about, oh, the January 6th committee and what's going on in the economy. We stopped talking about a lot of the issues in the Supreme Court. We just have a little bit of fun as we go into a weekend, and it's particularly appropriate as we go into an extended weekend. Uh, Most of us have off for the 4th of July, which rolls around on Monday. And so this is Pop Culture Corner, our chance to celebrate that. Pop Culture Corner is brought to you by Palermo's Pizza and one of our callers in the complete and total discretion of my producer, Rachel, back at Radio City, one of our callers in Rachel's complete and total discretion wins our Palermo's Pizza prize package. Try saying that three times quickly, which is a coupon good for two free Palermo's Pizza and a Palermo's Pizza cutter and freezer bags and post-it notes and all that sort of stuff. So think about it. You want to impress her when you make that call. All right, so what are we going to talk about for Pop Culture Corner? Well, typically the decisions are stuff that's gone on in a given week and the circumstances. So there's really two things that are operating right now around here. First of all, the last couple of days we've been broadcasting live from Summerfest, the world's largest music festival. So you've got all these bands, you've got people who are out there enjoying music. And, of course, as I just mentioned, we're going into a three-day weekend where it's the 4th of July celebrations. And my guess is... 
you will be finding some place somewhere to watch fireworks at least one night, maybe two nights. In my case, we might be seeing fireworks for three nights. How cool is that going to be? But I'm thinking let's merge music, let's merge the 4th of July. And so for Pop Culture Corner today, let's have some fun. It is summer. Summer is here. It is Independence Day weekend. My question to you is, you get to name one song, and one song only, one song that has to be on your 4th of July summer playlist. So you're going out to the fireworks, you're going out to the lake, you're going to do whatever, and you're putting together that mixtape, you're putting together your playlist for, uh, again, music. All right, what is the one summer song that you want to have on your 4th of July playlist, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. And, you know, it can be, I guess, a patriotic song, God Bless America, something like that. I love the USA. Or it could be, I don't know, something different like, well, for example, uh, when I thought of this, Tom Petty's American Girl. I mean, that is a quintessential U.S. song, completely and totally appropriate for the 4th of July. All right, what's the song on your playlist? Let me give Rachel a chance to line up the calls. 855-616-1620. Back with Pop Culture Corner in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Now back to Take Your Calls. Here's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, it is the 4th of July weekend, our Pop Culture Corner topic. You get one song that's got to be on your 4th of July Independence Day playlist. Let's start with Mike and Hilbert. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Yeah, it's got to be Kid Rock's All Summer Long. You know, it, that, that's it. Uh, you know, th- thanks for the call, Mike. It's I, it's funny you should mention that because uh, I every more I tell these stories every morning. I, I get as I'm getting ready for work. I, I have my my um, Apple iTunes music. I got my iPod. I, I put it in, and I, I listen to different artists. For the last two or three days, I've been listening to and re-listening to Kid Rock songs, ranging from, don't ask me why, but it's just, I've been listening to Kid Rock, ranging from his beginning as a, as a rapper where every word is a bad word or every third word is a bad word, to kind of his emergence as more of a sort of a, a country pop star. And, and yeah, all summer long, absolutely outstanding, no question about it. Let's talk to Art downtown. Art, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. First off, I want to say uh, thank you to all the brave men and women who currently serve and all the veterans who have served in the past. But got to be Lee Greenwood. Proud to be an American, man. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the call. You know, that, that is, of course, that is the, the seminal, you know, 4th of July song. And I, I remember, I mean, it goes back to the Reagan years. And, of course, Lee Greenwood was a favorite of uh President Reagan and his wife Nancy, but that's there, there's no question about it. That if you're looking at at modern day patriotic songs, that's number one. Let's talk to Dawn in Elkhorn. Dawn, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Um, my song is "America" by Neil Diamond. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, when you think about Neil Diamond songs a- after "Sweet Caroline," I, I think "America" is the one that comes to mind. Oh. <laughs> totally. My my grandmother's from Poland and immigrated here. This song chokes me up every time. Yeah, no thank thanks for the call. I, you know, it just it, it is one of the reasons I wanted to do this topic is I, I 
I fully understand that we've got all sorts of problems in this country. I, I get that. I get it. But at the same time, is there any, really any other country in the world you want to you want to live in? I mean, seriously. I mean, when you have the, this idiot from like Green Day who's in uh, who, who's in Great Britain talking about how he's going to renounce his U.S. citizenship. Well, okay, buddy. You know, you just don't let the door hit you on the way out. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's get before we go back to the uh, texts. Let's see, Jeff. The one song I would have is Lee Greenwood. God bless the USA. Jeff, it's got to be Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA. Jeff, for me, it would be, um, let's see, any anything with Tom Petty. Well, Tom Petty's got a lot of great stuff that are there. Jeff, for me, um, America by Neil Diamond. Uh, Jeff, for me, it's U.S. Blues by the Grateful Dead. Surfing USA by the Beach Boys. You know, when you put together a, a, a mixtape, for like the Fourth of July, there's no question that um, no question at all that the Beach Boys would have a huge part of it. Jeff, for me, it would be courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue by Toby Keith. Yeah, I was actually listening to some Toby Keith tunes as I was coming down here today, and there's um, there's a lot of those that are absolutely absolutely tremendous. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's talk to. Tony in Green Bay. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Uh, I Hi, think Tony. the quintessential song, the one that leads the one that leads my playlist, has to be Chicago Saturday in the Park. I think it was the Fourth of July, so it kind of says it all. <laughs> That's that, that that. Well, you can't argue with that, and it's a great tune. Um, there's no question about that. Tony, Rachel says you are the winner of our Palermo's Prize Package. So, a couple pizzas That's coming your fantastic. way, and pizza cutter and all sorts of stuff um you have yourself a great holiday weekend okay all right thanks you too have a great weekend you bet uh yeah can't go wrong with that let's talk to jim in west dallas jim you're on wtmj good afternoon hey jeff how's it going good well Uh, i'm telling you i'm broadcasting from Summerfest. doesn't get much better no no it sure doesn't um, first of all, I'm sorry to say that even though I professed my love for Rachel, I did not win the uh, prize package. <laughs> well, keep trying. again some <laughs> other time. Yes, I will. Uh, other than that, uh, a couple different directions. But uh, Bruce Springsteen, you said that before, born in the USA. And Queen, we are the champions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for call, Jim. No, that would work for me. I mean, Queen, we are the champions. Yeah, you put that on the list. Let's see. A lot of Toby Keith things here. Um, Made in America by Toby Keith, courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue, which is, of course, Toby Keith. Um, Carl and Jefferson, he's with um, one of our earlier callers with Kid Rocks, you know, all summer long, which is definitely, you know, one of those tunes that you'd want to hear. Um, Bye Bye Miss American, American Pie by Don McLean. Yep, you've got that there. Somebody says, what about the Star Spangled Banner? Well, I, I think clearly, you know, the national anthem belongs as part of you know any sort of mixtape kate smith's god bless america that sounds like it's a winner as well jeff ray charles america the beautiful summer breeze by seals and croft jimmy hendrix star spangled banner huh 
Paradise by the Dashboard Light by Meatloaf. Well, I like Paradise by the Dashboard Light. I'm not sure that I would necessarily consider that to be like the thing I'm putting on my 4th of July Independence Day playlist, but that's that, that's that's perhaps just me. Pat in Sheboygan Falls. Pat, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yes, uh, proud to be an American. Oh, Lee Greenwood, yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah, you can't. And, can't. Uh, a couple of years ago, my nephew came back from Syria. When you see those troops coming on the runway after the airport, yeah. it'll get you. Yeah. Yeah, Pat. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. A- absolutely. And that's see, that's that's the other that's the other big picture about the the Fourth of July celebrations. And we're all going to go to our picnics, and we're going to see the fireworks, and we're going to hang out, and we're going to do stuff we like with people that we love, and that's all well and good. But you have to recognize also we are celebrating the greatness of this country, and the truth is we get to live in a really great country. And I understand that we get hung up on the divisions, but I can firmly I firmly believe that there, there's much much more that unites us than separates us, and the 4th of July is a great opportunity to remember that. All right, let, let me give you a, a couple others here. I was looking at a list of some of the top Independence Day songs, so if you're putting together your list, uh, I mentioned American Girl by Tom Petty, you know, of course that, God Bless the USA by Lee Greenwood, Sweet Home Alabama by Leonard Skinner, can't go wrong with that, Surfing USA by the Beach Boys, you've got that that's out there. A couple people are suggesting Saturday in the Park by Chicago, 1972. Um, Philadelphia Freedom, um, which is, of course, Elton John in 1975. Surfing USA. The Beach Boys have so many of the great songs, whether it's, um, you, well, you just can't go wrong. Surfing USA, California Girls, you name it. Kid Rock's All Summer Long comes up a lot of times. Uh, let's see, Chicken Fried by Zach Brown, the Zach Brown Band. Well, I think there's there's an element of that as as well, and you, you've got that that's out there as well. Let's see, uh, let's see, Bruce Springsteen. A lot of Springsteen stuff is coming up. Born to Run, Fourth of July, Asbury Park. That's one of his early ones from 1973. And a number of people are pointing out that Born in the USA by Springsteen is a is a um. It's a protest song. I, I, I understand, but at the same time, I think it's a quintessential American sort of song. American Woman by the Guess Who. That would definitely be one. Chris, who's calling us from northern Illinois. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Jeff, hey. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody said it yet, but uh, I've always thought Living in America by James Brown was a fun song. Yeah. Oh. I, oh. Absolutely. No. Thanks for the call. Absolutely. That's that would be that would fit in on the list as well. Let's see. Come some more for our text lines. Don't stop believing by Journey. Yeah. Can't go wrong with that. Summer Nights by Van Halen. Um, the Lido Shuffle by Boz Skaggs. Yeah. I can't go wrong with that as well. Real American by Rick Derringer. We well, got that that's out there as well. There, there's all sorts of the, these great tunes that are out there. And I think the 4th of July and being able to sit there with your, I, I don't know, with whatever recorder you have and any way you have to listen to this stuff, it's absolutely a, a tremendous thing. And that's one of the great things about being in this country that we can do this. A lot of people, again, are saying anything by Tom Petty. Yep, anything by Tom Petty, Toby Keith, American Soldier, you you get the idea. Um, 
all this great tune, these great tunes that are out there. It is the 4th of July weekend. Hope you have an opportunity to celebrate it with people you care about. But again, as we were just saying a couple minutes ago, remember what the real purpose of the 4th of July is. It is to celebrate our independence and appreciate what a great country we live in. And uh, I tell you, there's a lot of stuff going around in this state and in this region. Got a great opportunity to do that. Weather looks like it's going to be fine. And I hope you have a wonderful 4th of July weekend. All right, when we come back, John McCure on vacation. We're going to find out what Greg Matzik and Melissa Barkley have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around.